Welcome to the teaching ministry of Kungsvinger Lutheran Church. Kungsvinger is a beacon for the gospel of Jesus Christ and is located on the plains of northwestern Minnesota. We proclaim Christ and Him crucified for our sins and salvation by grace through faith alone. And now, here's a message from Pastor Chris Roseborough. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. This is the testimony of John, when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, Well, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Well, who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, this is the word of the Lord. Let me try this again. Let me try this again. This is the gospel of the Lord. What? (laughs) Because the marker here says to stop. I'll continue then. All right. Okay, well, the the parenthetical statement here says that this is a longer reading. Okay, we continue. So they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, well, why then are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. This is the gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, hear the words of our gospel text again. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And so they asked him, Well, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Now, what, what is that all about? Are you the prophet? Well, this is where our Old Testament text comes into play. And you'll note that in our Old Testament text, God has told Moses to give a prophecy to the children of Israel. They are on the tail end of their wilderness wanderings and getting close to entering into the promised land. And you'll note that here, God is giving a prophecy through Moses that he will raise up a prophet like Moses from among the brothers of the children of Israel. And then it invokes something that we are, probably it's a good idea for us to grab that context so we can take a look at what is going on here. In Exodus chapter 19, in Exodus chapter 19, we get this context of the um, Ten Commandments and when they were given. Remember, children of Israel have been freed from slavery and captivity. They've crossed the Red Sea. Uh, on, as on dry ground. You'll note God parted the Red Sea for them. Pharaoh's army has drowned in the, in the Red Sea. And then you'll note then that uh, good things are happening for them. They are, now at the, uh, they are now at Mount Sinai. But the, well, the tone ter- turns specifically dark. You'll note that when God gave the Ten Commandments, it wasn't a happy, clappy experience. It was one that was legitimately terrifying. 
And so in Exodus chapter 19, verse 21, Yahweh said to Moses, you go down and you warn the people, lest they break through to Yahweh to look, and many of them perish. Wait, what is going on here? You, you can't, they can't even look at you? If they looked at you, you're going, they're, you're going to break out against them and they're going to die? Yes. You'll note that human beings unforgiven, human beings in sin, human beings being as unholy and as sinful as we are, we being in the presence of the holy God, that's not a good thing for us. And so when the law is given, God is putting up limits for the purpose of saving people's lives by keeping limits on them so that he wouldn't break out against them. So also let the priests who come near to Yahweh consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And then Moses said to Yahweh, Well, the people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, You go down and you come up bringing Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to, the, to Yahweh, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down and he told the people. And here's the description earlier in the chapter of what was going on when, it, when they got to Mount Sinai and when God gave the Ten Commandments. In verse 17, it says, Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because Yahweh had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly, and the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, and Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. And then Yahweh came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and Yahweh called to Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. Terrifying scene, if you think about it. You'll note, have you guys seen the, uh, the, the, the photography, the video coming out of Iceland with the big volcanic eruption going on there, the hot lava and the smoke and stuff like that? Remember the last time there was a big eruption in Iceland, uh, there were flights that were canceled going to Europe because the ash plume was so big. You'll note Mount Sinai, which happens to be in Saudi Arabia, it's not in Egypt. I hate to break the kind of news to everybody, but that is not a volcanic mountain. So there the glory of the Lord has descended on Mount Sinai, and he has descended in fire, and the smoke of it is all going up. And you'll note uh, noticeably here that Todd White and uh, Patricia King are not at the base of the mountain saying we need to bliss out in the glory. Okay, this is a terrifying event and God is going to give the law. There's the sound of the trumpet. God speaking to Moses and answering him in thunder. This is not a safe place for human beings. And then God speaks. God spoke all these words saying, I am Yahweh your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And one has to wonder, did you hear the thunder crack and crash upon hearing those words? You shall have no other gods before me. Kaboom. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, Yahweh, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers 
on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. One has to wonder is, uh, if you've seen the, the old Wizard of Oz movie, right? When they finally get to the Emerald City and their first audience with the Wizard of Oz is kind of like this. Is this what the Wizard of Oz was going for, that he was trying to instill this kind of fear and terror in them? And then you find out later that he's just a tiny little old man behind a curtain pulling levers and stuff. But Yahweh is not the Wizard of Oz. And you'll note when he speaks and thunder crashes and there's smoke and lightning and trumpets and all this kind of stuff he means it this speaks of his glory this speaks of his holiness this speaks of his power and his might you do not want to trifle with Yahweh you shall not take the name of Yahweh your God in vain for Yahweh will not hold him guiltless who takes his name remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy honor your father and mother you shall not murder you shall not commit adultery you shall not steal you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor you shall not covet your neighbor's house or your neighbor's wife or his manservant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor And then these words come. Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid, in fact, terrified, trembling, and they stood far off and basically said, "Um, Moses, you can talk to God. We don't want to hear him. In fact, they said, You speak to us, Moses. We will listen, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. That is what's being invoked in our Old Testament text when it says, Yahweh your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, like Moses from among you, from your brothers, and then listen to the the statement, it is to him you shall listen. Just as you desired of Yahweh your God at Horeb, which is Mount Sinai, on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of Yahweh my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die, Yahweh said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. So I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers. This is pointing to the incarnation of Christ where God himself comes down, drop down, ye heavens, right? That's our theme for today. Where God comes down to us, but now God does not come down to us in Christ, in fire, in lightning, and smoke, and trumpet blast. That all kind of invokes, if you would, the day of judgment. But Christ comes to us humble. Christ comes to us speaking words that we can hear, that we must hear. In fact, God himself says, I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So when they asked John the Baptist, are you the prophet? Of course not. John the Baptist is not the prophet. He is a prophet for sure, but he's not the prophet. He's not the one prophesied by Moses. And so he properly confessed that he was not the prophet. But it's here then where we would be wise to consider 
the greater meaning of all of this. Because as we anticipate the celebration of the birth of Christ, the arrival of this promised prophet, we must note that we must listen to him. God has made it clear that anyone who will not listen to him, God himself will require it of him. And so I would note Christ in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse 49 says, I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. That sounds like language that's specifically designed to help the careful reader of Scripture recognize that Jesus is the one promised in Deuteronomy 18. So what is his commandment? Verse 50 says, And I know that his commandment is this, eternal life. That's a pretty good commandment. (laughs) I like that commandment better than all the other ones I break, right? You'll note that's the point. It's that he says, I know that his commandment is this, eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. The commandment of Christ, this prophet prophesied by Moses, the commandment that he has given us is eternal life. God commands you all to be forgiven. Christ commands that you all be raised from the dead on the day he returns in glory to judge the living and the dead and that you be gifted eternal life as a gift from him because of God's great love and his mercy. We would be wise then to listen to his words that God the Father has put into his mouth. And here's where we go into one of one of my favorite texts in all of Scripture. It's the Gospel of John, chapter 8. And you'll see this long-running theme in here about Christ basically taking his words and exalting them to the same level as Scripture and even beyond. Where because you'll note where God spoke to Abraham, God spoke to Moses, God spoke to the prophets, yet they were given words that were not the same words as Christ. You'll note that Moses gave us the law, but he didn't give us the gospel. We have hints of the gospel in Moses, but not the gospel itself in its truest form. As a result of that, Christ gives us words that are greater than Moses's, And so Christ says things about his words that he was given by the Father that we must pay attention to, that we must heed, because God the Father will hold us accountable if we take his words and we cast them aside. Have you ever noticed how human beings treat each other when they're not interested in what the other one is saying, Right? Okay, I think of, you know, the kids like in junior high, they're a little bit more crass and kind of blunt and to the point. They'll just go, whatever, right? Which basically means I'm not interested in hearing your words. Or worse, if you keep talking, they'll just say, loser. You know, they'll do things like this to kind of hint at the fact that whatever you're saying, it's not, it's not important to us. Would you please stop saying words, right? And then when, of course, my wife tells me to do things like fix things up around the house, I have no idea what happened to those words. They just kind of disappeared in the thin air. It's the weirdest thing. Um, but uh, a lot <laughs> words have a way of just whoosh, going away. And we do not want to do that with the words of Christ. So in John chapter 8, which, by the way, is one of the most fantastic texts in all of Scripture, only to be surpassed by John chapter 9. 8 and 9 are, like, fantastic. Like, if I were to compare it to food, 8 and 9 together, they're like an aged steak that's marbleized, that when you cook it, they put a good sear on it before they cooked it at all. You know what I'm talking about here? And it pairs perfectly like with the 
best, best of the red wines, and, you, and, and every bite is just, whoo, okay, it's one, I'm beginning to think that maybe one of my sins is gluttony. <laughs> anyway, these two chapters of the Gospel of John, they are exactly that, a well-aged steak paired with a perfect wine, and so Christ says these words. He says, <laughs> he says, I am going away. I'm in verse 21. You will seek me, and you will die in your sin. Where I am going, you cannot come. Now, Christ here is in a little bit of a running battle with those who do not believe in him. And it's odd because these people ought to believe in him because they have the word of God in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament. But rather than studying the Tanakh and reading the word of God, they've devoted themselves to the tradition of the elders and the Pharisaical rabbinic teachings, which are not the word of God. So the Jews said to him, well, is he going to kill himself since he says, where I'm going, you cannot come? No, Jesus isn't going to unalive himself. So he said to them, listen, you're from below. I am from above. That's a pretty good statement. Jesus is from above. And you'll note again the theme today. Uh, Drop down, ye heavens. Heaven has dropped down in Christ. You are from below. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins for unless you believe, ego a me, unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. Now make no mistake about this. Christ is here claiming that he is the I am of Exodus chapter 3. Unless you, for unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. I know the ESV says I am he, but when you say I am he, our next question is I am who? Which he are you hooing here? What's going on here? And so Christ is using the divine name for himself. From Exodus 3, when Moses said, Who shall I say sent me? What is your name? He says, Tell him my name is I am. So unless you believe that I am, you will die in your sins. So they said to him, Well, then who are you? Jesus said to him, Just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you, much to judge. But he who sent me is true, and I declare to the world what I have heard from him. I will put my words in his mouth, and if you will not listen to his words, I will hold you accountable for that. That's what our Old Testament text says. This is the true fulfillment of that prophecy. So as we get ready to well celebrate the birth and the incarnation of God in human flesh, our Lord Jesus Christ, Note that he is described by the Apostle John as the Word made flesh. And here he speaks words given to him by the Father, and you and I must listen to them. They must not disappear like our wife's honeydew list. Those words cannot go away. You need to meditate on them, think on them, pray on them, get to know them, dig deep into them. So they didn't understand that he had been speaking to them about the Father. So Jesus said to them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am, and that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. When you have lifted up the Son of Man, Christ here is pointing to his own death. 
And you'll note when God gave the law, anybody coming near to God, coming to the Mount Sinai, climbing up the mountain in order to see God would have died. God would have broken out against them. But now God comes to us in Jesus Christ and he is the one who dies in our place. He is the one who God breaks out against so that God will not break out against us. So that we can finally because of the mercy and forgiveness won by Christ on the cross, be able to approach God in his holiness and in his might and not have to fear his fire or his wrath. So when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. Now as he was saying these things, many of the Jews began to believe in him. So Jesus then said to the Jews who believed in them, and listen to the words, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. If you are my disciples, you will abide in my word. Fascinating thing I've noticed over the decades as I've been doing Fighting for the Faith, my other job. And that is the sheer number of places that call themselves Christian churches where Christ's words are not welcome. Where pastors or pastorses, which you're not allowed to have, will apologize if they read more than three verses during a sermon. I know that this is going to be really annoying and it's going to take forever, but I'm going to read three whole verses from a biblical text. And people are going, well, just get on with it, would you? Because we've got more important things to be doing here. You know, that, that's kind of the attitude. But Christ says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You know, we live in dark times, and truth is one of these things that's going to get you in a lot of trouble nowadays. I recently saw an interview with a, with a fellow who's known for being a political commentator. And this political commentator in this interview noted that when he was a younger lad, when he had, was studying at the university, he studied journalism and theology, kind of a double major kind of thing. And he didn't go into theology. Instead, he went into journalism. And his beat was Washington, D.C. And over the decades that he was covering the, the news in Washington, D.C., he's seen a lot of politicians come and a lot of politicians go. And he noted that the current crop of politicians seem to be hell-bent on being opposed to truth. Which truth? Any truth. And his comment was, this is no longer politics. This is now theology that we're dealing with. Keep that in mind. Christ says, if you abide in my words, you will know the truth. And what is the truth? The truth is Christ. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And here's the thing. Christ is telling us the truth, that we are sinners in need of salvation, and that God, rather than breaking out against us in Christ, has chosen instead to forgive us and pardon us. And he calls us to repent and calls us to confess the truth about ourselves. You'll note that when John the Baptist made his confession, he confessed negatively. He didn't say, I am the Christ. He said, I am not the Christ. When we confess our sins, we confess that we are not holy, that we have not done what is right. We confess negatively about ourselves so that we can receive the positive words of Christ that you are forgiven because of what he's done on the cross. 
So he says, if you, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And so a bunch of the folks there are scratching their heads going, um, hey, uh, Jesus, we're offspring of Abraham. We've never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? You'll note they, they're just not on the same wavelength with Christ at all. So Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. He's talking about the slavery of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, sets you free from what? Slavery to sin. You will be free indeed. I know that you are offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me, and listen to the reason, because my word finds no place in you. But Christ's words are not his own. Christ's words are the words given to him by the Father. And God will hold him accountable, who will not listen to this prophet, Jesus Christ, who is also a king, who is also our high priest, and so much more than just a prophet. He says, I speak to you of what I've seen with my father, and you do what you have heard from your father. Things are going to get really interesting at this point. Have you ever just accidentally been scrolling through social media and on your feed it suggested uh, you know, episodes of like this paternity court thing that they have on television? It is the strangest thing I've ever seen in my life. Okay, It is like watching two trains collide at high speed and you just know you cannot turn away from it so here you've got some woman and she's come in and she's got a five-week-old infant and she's saying he's the daddy and he's saying i ain't the daddy that child doesn't look anything like me and she's saying judge you need to make him pay child support he's obviously abandoned and you're sitting there going why am i watching this but you keep watching this right so the judge orders you need to get a paternity test so they go and they get a paternity test and the judge allows things to kind of can spin out of out of control for just a little bit longer and says it's now time for the paternity test and of course the guy is the kid's father right of course the guy is the kid's father and then you, he gets slapped with like thousands and thousands of dollars every month that he's got to pay for this child and all the cd details are there for us to just ugh. and at the same time we can't help but watch these things so here jesus is talking about the paternity of all of humanity and you'll note that with, at, with Adam's fall into sin, our paternity has changed. And it's devastating to consider. And the, our paternity has changed so much that unless we are forgiven and adopted into God's family, we are not children of God. And these are hard words to take in but words that we must consider because these words given to Christ were given to him by the Father. So they said, listen, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, listen. And you can almost hear him go, if, Abraham, if you were Abraham's children, you'd be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who's told you the truth that I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You are doing your works your father did. Well, they said to him, well, we weren't born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. And you see Jesus going, oy vey. No, wrong. I've got the, the results of the paternity test right here. It says, if God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. 
I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. That still works today. That statement, as they say, the kids say, it's aged well. Because you'll note, so many people who call themselves Christians, they cannot stand the true sound words of Scripture. Why can they not bear to hear them? Why do they not understand them? And here's the reason why, because you are of your father, the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. The paternity test is tested positive for the devil being your dad. You have his DNA. You sound just like him. He couldn't stand the truth. He was a liar and a deceiver, and so are you. These are hard words to hear. But you'll note, appropriate fourth Sunday of Advent, it's still a penitential season, right? So you have your father, the devil. Your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. He doesn't stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and he is the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. It's, <laughs> I just think of that book, you know, Live Not By Lies. It's such an important thing nowadays. We live in a day and age where people are basically telling us you must say that our lies are the truth. And if you do not agree to speak our lies as the truth and you insist on speaking the truth, then we're going to cancel you. We're going to make sure that you do not have a livelihood. And so you need to now bow down at the altar of our gender narrative, and you need to speak the pronouns that we tell you to speak, and don't you dare speak the ones that are true. That's just an example of it. And you'll note, I, have you guys heard the news? Just a couple of weeks ago, the Biden administration is legitimately putting policies into place that would result in Christians not being allowed to adopt children in this country. What was the reason given? Because Christian parents will not recognize those child's chosen pronouns. It's theology, is it not? This isn't politics anymore. This is now theology. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character. But because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. So which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. This is a good litmus test. Now, is it not? It's getting darker and darker. The lines are getting clearer and clearer. They're no longer blurry. They're getting really boldly, boldly put there in place. This is where truth is. This is where the lies are. So the Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and you have a demon? (sighs) 
Jesus just talked about them being of their father, the devil, and out now come the devil's lies. Jesus is one of them racial epithet Samaritans. You have to use the word Samaritan here as, as we would use other words that are racial epithet. Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and you have a demon? You're doing exactly what Jesus said you would do because you do not listen to his words. You are of your father, the devil. You cannot stand in the truth. So out comes the slander. Out comes the lies. And so Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Amen, amen. Truly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Let that sink in. This isn't the only place where Christ talks this way in the Gospel of John. John chapter 11. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me, even though he die, yet shall he live. Anyone who believes in me and dies, he will never die. Christ says. Do you believe this? Christ says, if anyone keeps my words, he will never see death. Is that true or not? And of course it's true, because Jesus is the truth. He's not lying. Now the Jews at this point think that they know that Jesus is cracked. Something's wrong with him. And so they said to him, well, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died. The implication is here, God spoke to Abraham. God Spoke to Abraham. Abraham heard the words of God. He kept the words of God, and Abraham died. The prophets, they heard from God. They all died too. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? What's the answer to the question? Yes, he is. And the prophets, are you greater than the prophets who also died? Yes, indeed he is. Who do you make yourself out to be? You'll note that Jesus isn't really interested in diffusing the situation. <laughs> you know, now, let's, let's just take a step back. We're going to put halt into place. Obviously, you guys are hungry. Um, and you, you, you're hungry, you're angry, you're lonely and tired. I think we better just put this on pause, and we'll come back when, when you guys have simmered down. <laughs> That's, he doesn't do that, right? So... He says, listen, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I were to say that I do not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep, and I guard his words. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he would see my day. He saw it and was glad. Important to note here, you're going to look throughout the entire Old Testament. You'll never see a text in all of the Old Testament that says anything about Abraham seeing the day of Christ and rejoicing at it. This is extra-biblical information. This is information that you will not find in the Bible. And Jesus is talking about Abraham in such a way as if, well, he knows him personally. You know, like, we, I just went to Starbucks with him yesterday. This is how he's talking. So the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old, and you've seen Abraham, and here it comes. And now it hits in a way that they understand the implication. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, before Abraham was, ego eimi, I am. And what happens next can only be described in this sense. They picked up stones to throw at him, not because they were saying, oh, get out of here, Jesus, they picked up stones to throw at Christ because they thought he had committed the sin of blasphemy. 
by exalting himself to deity, by claiming the divine name for himself, he was claiming to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So they picked up stones to throw at Jesus in order to murder him, but Jesus hid himself and he went out of the temple. So what does it all mean? Well, tomorrow we celebrate the birth of Christ. We get a little bit of a jump on it tonight online for our Christmas Eve service. And you'll note that we even get a little bit more of a jump on it when we get to see the kids teaching us the the story of the birth of Christ. But it's important to note who Jesus is. When we look at that baby in the manger, when we consider this time of year, when we consider what it is that we are celebrating, we must, as part of our thinking, also know and understand that this is the one God promised and prophesied through Moses, the one that God raised up, the prophet who is like Moses, and he says to him, you shall listen. Just as you desired of Yahweh your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, let me not hear again the voice of Yahweh my God or see this great fire any more lest I die, Yahweh said to me, they are right in what they have spoken. The reason why they were right is because God in giving us his law doesn't give us give it to us in kindness. He gives it to us in power with threats of punishment and death as we deserve. But Christ comes to us and he speaks words. Again, the commandment of the Father is eternal life, that you live eternally. And so God goes on, I will put my words in his mouth, in Jesus's mouth. He shall speak to them all that I have commanded him, and whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself are required of him. But today you heard the words of Christ. The words of Christ came to you today and said this, I forgive you all of your sins. The words of Christ you will hear again when he says to you, take, eat, this is my body given into death for the forgiveness of your sins. And he will again speak these words to you, take, drink, this is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of of your sins. Why would anybody take these wonderful words and cast them aside? We are not here to take Christ's words and make little of them, but instead to hang on to them, to guard them, to cherish them, to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, and to cling to those promises because Jesus is the truth. Whatever Satan has promised you, Satan's a liar. Satan doesn't have your best in mind. He has your worst in mind. Satan is not interested in you having your best life now or any time. He wants you to end up in hell with him. But Christ, in his great love and mercy, has laid down his life and shed his blood so that you can be forgiven and pardoned and freed from slavery to sin. Hear his words then. You are forgiven, and his commandment is this, that you have eternal life. In the name of Jesus, amen. If you would like to support the teaching ministry of Kungsvinger Lutheran Church, you can do so by sending a tax-free donation to Kungsvinger Lutheran Church, 15950, 470th Avenue Northwest, Oslo, Minnesota, 56744. And again, that address is Kungsvinger Lutheran Church, 15950, 470th Avenue Northwest, Oslo, Minnesota. 56744. We thank you for your support. 
All of our teaching messages may be freely distributed as long as you do not edit or change the content of the message. And again, thank you for listening. Thank you.